My name is Elizabeth Power and I'm a partner at Paris Smith in the Tax and Estate Planning Department. My role is primarily focused on acting for elderly clients but also for vulnerable clients. We're delighted to be sponsoring the app for the Teddy Bear Appeal for the Knights Foundation. In this podcast, I will be discussing decision-making for young adults. If you are the parent of a vulnerable child approaching the age of 18, you may be concerned about who makes decisions when they become an adult. In this podcast, I address the options available with regards to decision-making for a vulnerable adult. I hear from many parents of vulnerable children that when their child was under the age of 18 years, they were involved with every aspect of their child's care and that they, the parents, were the decision makers. Furthermore, because that parent is in most cases the main carer, nobody knows the child's medical history, behavioural history, likes, dislikes, better than the parents that have been caring for their vulnerable child 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the last 18 years. Once that child reaches the age of 18 and becomes an adult, that stops. Because when the child becomes an adult, they have an altered legal status which carries legal rights and responsibilities. It's as if overnight the parent's role is diminished because social services, medical practitioners, social workers, whoever is dealing with that adult once the child has turned 18 years, deals with that adult and not the parent because the parent no longer has the same legal standing. But of course the parent's responsibility is not changed in practical terms overnight. Quite often, with complex learning and medical difficulties, the parent will have an extraordinary knowledge and record over the last 18 years of the complexities with regards to their child's care. It can be desperately frustrating for that parent to try and communicate that history with medical practitioners, social workers, when their child turns 18, because the medical practitioner or social worker will want to liaise with the young adult themselves. The professional will want to ascertain from the young adult whether or not they have the mental capacity to engage and make decisions for themselves. Such assessments of mental capacity must be assessed on a transaction by transaction basis. So as an example, if the young adult needs to have an injection for dental work, then the consent of the young adult will be sought and at the same time an assessment of capacity will be carried out to see if the young adult has the mental capacity to make an informed decision to consent or otherwise to the proposed treatment. If the young adult is unable to provide consent because they cannot make an informed decision, then a best interest meeting should be held with the parents as another interested party. But if it is decided that the young adult has the mental capacity to make the decision about the treatment, then they are deemed capable to make that decision, be that consenting or not consenting to the treatment. I have heard of many examples of consent being sought from a young adult for treatment which was not carried out because the young adult did not consent to the treatment and they were deemed capable of making that decision at that time even though the parents had been very clear and categorical in saying that the young adult was not able to make an informed decision because of a, for example, fear of needles which impeded their decision making and that the treatment was in the best interests of the young adult. So what can be done? What decision making options are available for parents? The starting point is to assess whether or not the young adult has the mental capacity to give instructions for a lasting power of attorney document, commonly referred to as an LPA. An LPA is a document whereby an individual, which is referred to in the document as the donor, is able to appoint somebody else called an attorney to make decisions on their behalf. 
This is useful if the donor is unable to make the particular decision themselves. The subject matter of such decision making can be divided into two categories, property and financial affairs and or health and care. The LPA document for property and financial affairs allows the attorney to make decisions regarding the donor's finances, benefits, income, property, savings and expenditure. Such decisions can be made when the donor has and does not have capacity to make the relevant decision at the relevant time. The LPA document for health and care decisions allows attorneys to make any decision about the young adult's health care, where they live, what clothes they wear, what they eat, and anything needed for their general care and well-being. However, such decisions can only be made if the person giving the authority does not have capacity to make such decisions themselves. LPAs are governed by the Mental Capacity Act 2005. The Act is intended to enable and support people who lack capacity, not restrict or control them. The Act has five key principles which say that a person must be assumed to have capacity unless it is established that they lack capacity. A person is not to be treated as unable to make a decision unless all practicable steps to help him to do so have been taken without success. A person is not to be treated as unable to make a decision merely because he makes an unwise decision. An act done or decision made under the act for or on behalf of a person who lacks capacity must be done or made in his best interests. Before the act is done or the decision is made, regard must be had to whether the purpose for which it is needed can be as effectively achieved in a way that is less restrictive of the person's rights and freedom of action. The alternative option if the young adult does not have the mental capacity to be able to give instructions for an LPA is for an application to be made to the Court of Protection to be appointed as a deputy. Again, this falls into two categories, a deputy for financial decisions, a deputy for health and care decisions. With the lasting power of attorney, the adult decides who they wish to appoint to manage their affairs for them if needed. With a deputyship, it is a judge at the Court of Protection who appoints a deputy on the basis of the evidence presented to them, which should demonstrate the young adult cannot make decisions for themselves and that it is in their best interest for somebody to be appointed, that is a deputy, to be able to make decisions for them. The Court of Protection is the specialist court for all issues relating to people who lack capacity to make specific decisions. Once appointed, the deputy then has the responsibility each year to inform the Court of Protection of what actions they've taken in the preceding year. The deputy will also get a visit from a Court of Protection visitor to discuss how matters are going, how they're finding their responsibility and their role as a deputy, and if they need any assistance from the Court of Protection. I was very heartened to hear from a client a little while ago that the Court of Protection visitor that was attending them to discuss a health and care deputyship which I had obtained for them a number of years ago, was really proactive and supportive for the family. An issue had been raised with regards to continuing healthcare funding for the vulnerable adult, and the Court of Protection visitor was very supportive and advised my clients that if there were issues with the clinical commissioning group with regards to the ongoing funding, to let the Court of Protection know and they would see what they could do. The Financial Decisions Deputyship and the Health and Care Deputyship cover the same scenarios as the lasting power of attorney documents. I understand that as a parent of a vulnerable child becoming an adult, it is terribly difficult to know where to start with regards to decisions that the adult will need to make as there are so many issues you need to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, let alone considering 
what you need to do and what is out there, what support you can get with the everyday practicalities and legalities of decision-making for your child on becoming an adult. I hope that we can provide such support and advice and that you feel you can make an informed decision about decision-making going forward when your child becomes an adult. Thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Elizabeth Power. If you need advice on your options regarding decision-making for your child approaching adulthood, or indeed you have any issues or concerns about decisions being made for the vulnerable adult that may require assistance from the Court of Protection, my details can be found on the Paris Smith website. To download the Teddy Bear Appeal app, search KF Bear Appeal in your app store on your smartphone.